0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth and you can check out all the very many things that we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today we've got another excellent edition of Deep Dives with Angel Collinson. And this one definitely gets deep, but it also gets ridiculous, and so there really is something for everyone in this conversation. We catch up with Angel on her current situation, keyword upheaval. Then we dive into one of the excellent open mic pieces that we've published over this past month. This one is by Mary McIntyre, and it's a phenomenal piece and Angel and I wanted to discuss that one a bit. And then we get to a number of your excellent questions that you submitted, which then led us to talk about forgiveness and hot sauce and twerking. So yeah, I really think there's something for everyone in this conversation and I very much hope you enjoy it. And if you already have been enjoying some of these blister podcast conversations, then I would very much appreciate it if you would take 30 seconds to leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, and that will just let us keep this whole thing going and growing. So thank you in advance for sharing that feedback and letting us know that you like what we're doing around here and talking about around here. And with that, let's talk with Angel. Here we go. Well, Angel, it's it's real nice to connect with you. This time, it's been a bit of a process for us, but we did it. We pulled it off.
1: We did it. Here we are. Hot mess corner day. <laughs> That's
0: right. We're gonna we're renaming uh, this episode. Or this is the Deep Dives with Angel colon hot mess edition because you and I are both <laughs> hot messes this morning. But we've done it. I think we've pulled it together. And uh, I'm yep. looking forward to our conversation as always. You are in a pretty different location than you've been for Quite. our uh, recent conversations. Talk a little bit about what's going on with you.
1: Well, I am currently in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, so the past month has been a whirlwind of <clears throat> moving off of Bear and like not selling her, but just needing to enter another chapter. So kind of moving as much stuff as we could carry, traveling to Salt Lake, rallying up in Salt Lake, spending some time with the family, And then heading out to Colorado, I had a place lined up and it just fell through for kind of bad or just unfortunate circumstances. And so now I am at a friend's house still with my stuff not together. Yeah, the turds are not in a herd yet and it's been a month of being scattered. So here we are. Um, New chapter begins, soft launch
0: edition (laughs) 2.0 hot hot mess soft launch edition
1: (laughs) yeah
0: wow yeah it's it's uh it's it's a lot and I gotta think too you know you and I were just talking about skiing again and when we put out you know and we tell people hey we're gonna be doing another uh, episode with angel and submit questions if you have them how many questions still come in about skiing. And it just occurred to me that you probably are going to also now have this thing coming in where all the questions are about sailing. (laughs) Right, finally, like a delay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: but I'm not on the boat anymore.
0: (laughs) So you just keep the the people guessing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you got to keep it fresh, you know?
0: Say a little bit more, though, um, for people who maybe heard you talking about coming off the boat a bit, but I mean, you, you intend to be on land for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically like m- they say most couples last about two years in the cruising life, which is what we did. It's takes a while to figure it out. And like some of the parts are amazing and some of the parts are a beat down like it kind of depends on how you do it, where you do it, what your boat's like. There's a lot of variables. And my body was just like, I need land for a while. So I don't know what the foreseeable future is. It's sort of just entering into another chapter without a a solid end date, which feels very true and also still unsettling. I'm like, come on, I want to feel some certainty. I mean, not that I feel no certainty, but there's just, yeah, the timeline is um, not for certain. But It's got to be long enough that I can feel grounded, stable, organized, know where all my things are, like just have, um, yeah, have a bit of structure also for my body. Um, So that's about all I got that's relevant. But at first we were like, well, we'll go back down to Seabear in the winter, which we still might, but I'm also seriously considering, I think I will stay in Boulder for the winter. So that will be my first winter since I retired that I'm yeah, not on the boat. Wow. And
0: I think you've spoken to this a bit before, but why Boulder?
1: We, we have a bunch of really awesome friends here. And so it's this great community. They're always doing really fun activities. There's always a lot happening. And every time we visit it, it's like the, like, you know, the outdoor access is really great, That there's an airport close, mm-hmm. but it's mostly because of the community and the proximity to the outdoors. Okay. Which, you know, you can get anywhere, but our community for now is really strong here, so.
0: And Cedar Wright's dog.
1: And Cedar Wright's yeah. dog, yes, which All Terrain Bernie, I think, <laughs> is the Instagram handle. You should go check it out because it is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of life changes Here, Yeah. You actually don't seem like much of a hot mess at the moment. You seem like you're, you actually are holding it all together, but we are actually talking about upheaval on most of the fundamental fronts of life. Yeah. And are you feeling that? Is that weighing on you? Do you feel like you have, because you've gone through, you know, a couple transitions now in the not too distant past, do you feel better equipped to handle this stuff? Or is it just like, this is actually pretty hard right now?
1: Yeah, I've been struggling. Um, I feel like also when I struggle, I tend to post less on social media, <laughs> you know, you're like your energy expenditure gets brought down. Um, it's been hard, just like some personal life stuff with like, some of my close friends Family and relationships, like there's been a lot going on there, which we all know, like relationship struggles, or when people we know are going through struggles and you're a big part of their life, like just, it enters into your sphere. Um, but so it's that it's like not knowing where, like, you know, here I am doing another life transition and all of it has been so cool. Each chapter mm-hmm. has been so great. But we, yeah, when there is upheaval and it was so clear, I'm like, I need to go to land. Um, moving, there's, moving is so freaking weird mm-hmm. and hard. And I feel like all of us have to do it, um, but we don't really talk about how much it sucks often because everyone does have to do it. But it also usually often accompanies like a chapter change or another significant change. So it's like the two in concert that I think are, is what makes it hard. Um, so, yeah, I just have felt uh, – I've been like, okay, I'm ready to, like, land and for a bit more ease or a bit more stability. Because, you know, when you're, like, vagabonding, but also with all of your things, there's, like, a cognitive load element where you're like, where's my microphone? Where's my headphones? <laughs> where's the cord? Actually, I, I needed more than two pairs of pants, but where are my other the pair of pants? All the little things that, like – um uh, take a certain amount and they all add up. So I've been like ready to just be able to rest and exercise and eat healthy and you know, those, those things. And when the when this housing situation fell through, it also accompanied like a really tough um conversations and with the landlord of just being like, whoa, this is not okay, blah, blah. On both sides, it's, yeah, been hard. So I was ready for a break and I still don't have one. I had to move all my stuff into a storage unit here in Boulder while I look again. And all of it's, you know, none of it's unmanageable. But after a while, when you're really tired, it just kind of, you're like, okay, can can I have it figured out now? Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. It's a dynamic that I'm still trying to think more clearly about on my and, like, the everyday life where we do have structure and, like, we know where our pants are and where the microphone <laughs> and recording where equipment. Where are my yeah, pants? <laughs> and, you know, where that stuff is all located. And I think I really prize that in my day-to-day life because, you know, we are still doing a whole lot of different things, like, here at Blister. And so mm-hmm. to have all of the minutiae dialed, you know, I know exactly what I'm going to have to eat at 12, 15 p.m. basically every day. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think about that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. there's been a lot of, you know, business leaders and creative folks talk about, reducing any kind of need to think on some of these fundamental elements opens you up and allows you to be creative and do creative work. And I really believe in that. Yeah. And then I also can see the value and the beauty of throwing yourself into a bit of the chaos, Mm even, even, even just by virtue of being on the road, like in like Mm -hmm. a nice spot that isn't some like incredibly difficult, um, You know, traveling in a you know country where you don't know the language or anything like that. Like even these kinds of switch-ups can really throw you off. And I don't know, I still think that is valuable in a way. There are new experiences. I'm out on the road currently meeting amazing people, but also missing the stability the knowns of everyday life that actually do allow me or put me in a position where I think it like I, I can get sort of creative stuff done in that space. So I don't know. I still don't have like the definitive theory or the unifying theory on all of this, but thoughts on this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I so... I so agree with you on all of that. I think they're both important, right? It's like so much of life is like duality and polarity and going balancing between opposites, you know, and when the beauty of traveling or of doing things new is it shakes you up, it like breaks everything apart in a way. And so you get to put the pieces back together in a way that could be new or, and more serving of like who you are now, who you want to be, where you want to go. So there's so much beauty in that. Right. And that's kind of what I've been experiencing a lot of, like I kind of broke everything apart, let all the pieces fall. And then it was like, okay, what ones do I want to pick back up? And so, you know, it's like anyone that's been traveling for a really long time knows that feeling of like, being really psyched to get home and to sleep in your own bed and to just kind of have the knowns taken care of. And then, you know, we also all know that feeling of like being so ingrained and stuck that you're like, how do I break this stagnancy? Like, you know, and you crave travel, you crave sort of newness. And so I just, I see it as like a wave that we're always going through. And like, both are really amazing experiences. And I think we, you know, reach points where we can tell like, oh, okay, I've had enough of this. I need to try the other flavor. And I've never been very good at like finding the middle ground. I sort of always find them between extremes. (laughs) Um, so yeah, like it's been a lot of getting shaken up and it's been so cool to be like, what do I love to do with my time? Where do I want to spend? What environments, like what daily habits I've been writing more, like so many new pieces have come in and I get to, we also get to see like the threads of our strengths and our weaknesses kind of tie a new tapestry together and sort of weave like an entirely new picture based on the same color threads. And it's pretty cool.
0: Well said. Well, so just a couple minutes ago, we were talking about the fact that people are still asking you all these questions and, you know, a big one that comes on is like, when are you coming back to skiing? When are you going to get back on snow? I now do think we are going to have some months of like, how's the boat? (laughs) And so those people will need to catch, catch up again. But, um, (laughs) but a bit of news, uh, on the whole like hey angel do you think you'll get back to skiing and if so when you have had some thoughts on this and maybe some even developments on this front mhm mhm
1: yeah yeah i uh well like i said i think i'm going to stay in boulder this winter pretty sure i need that amount of time on land and so then, uh, you know, the big question is like, well, am I going to ski or do I just do like hot girl summer winter edition and don't touch the sticks, <laughs> you know, like wear my Ugg boots and drink like cocoa on a walk in the morning and stuff, you know, um, cause that also sounds awesome. But I was like, you know, actually I'm ready to ski. It sounds fun. And you know, we've talked before about how when you take some time away from a thing that you have reached a certain level of proficiency at, you know, you're going to re-enter at not the same level that you were at. And like the fear or the resistance or the kind of dread of like, oh, it's not going to be so as fun. I'm going to be weaker. I'm going to all those stories, but they don't really have any hold on me now. It just sounds like a fun thing to do. And it really, yeah, it took me taking, you know, two full years completely away before I could kind of repattern my relationship to skiing being just for fun and just for me again. So that feels really cool and really exciting. Um, because last year, you know, it was the craziest winter ever and I didn't really have any FOMO. Um, but I was like, Ooh, that would be fun to go ski pow at resorts. And that was the first time I thought that. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm ready to ski. I'm excited about it. And also, you know, as I'm all of my life has gotten, you know, kind of blasted apart. And I'm picking up the pieces of like, where do I want to live? What do I want to do for work? How am I going to make money? You know, all of these essential life building things. I was debating about a bunch of different job stuff. And then I was like, you know, a ski- like I know skiing so well. And like, it's so easy for me. Like I've meant that I was thinking that um I think something I'm going to do is um mentor kids or teenagers or um, like work with people with skiing because I like a technique is easy for me to see and coach on but also so much is like mindset and your relationship to it and it's all very personal and it's so easy for me because I know it so well and that coming into it from this lens just feels awesome like getting to work with people with skiing where but I don't have to like do something hard or you know what I mean? Um, so that's where I'm at. I, I was just like, wow, why wouldn't I go back in, in a different way that feels fun for now while I'm in this place where I can ski. So I also really just love, like, I love working with kids or, and especially, well, guys and girls, but it, cause I just can so relate to like being a teenager or being in competitions. Like, yeah, been there, know that. Um, so Yeah.
0: That's a pretty big deal. I mean, that's a pretty big deal.
1: I know. I would not have guessed it. I would not have guessed that I would be interested in that. But it feels really right also because like you've, I mentioned last time on the podcast, I'm like, I'm going to write a book. That's Mm -hmm. definitely how I want to spend some summer, some fall. I don't know how long it's going to take, probably longer than that. But, you know, just on I don't know if it's going to be on the past two years or on more than that, but it feels like there's an important component as you're sort of reviewing your life or your career and walking away from it, like to also be involved in the thing in a different, but maybe still engaged way will help me as I'm kind of going through this review process, connect a lot of the dots, if that makes sense. Like it'll be more integrated for all of the things that I want to do in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now I'm really hoping that the title of the book is going to be "Hot Girls Summer Winter, Winter Edition." Edition. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So keep it in mind. Don't you know? Don't rule it out. Keep it uh, keep it as a possibility there for me. I'm
1: just going to leave the hot mess part out. The mess is so today, not any future. No, it's date. just
0: just today. It's just yeah. this just this particular point in time. But. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, maybe because I like skiing, but I was about to say that, well, that sounds pretty cool. But I also think it's kind of remarkable, like we are actually getting to see you sort all of this out, like in real time. Mm -hmm. And that feels very interesting and unique. But given that I think every single human being has had has and or will have to sort some stuff out at a pretty fundamental level at some point. I think that's why your particular situation maybe resonates a lot with Mm. a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's not often, I don't think that we're like, oh yeah, Angel we were all enjoying watching you ski these lines in Alaska. And then there's been this trajectory and now you're like, yeah, I think I'm ready to come back into this world in a very different way and work with people. And anyway, I think it all sounds pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And I think the way that I see it is, um, I don't think that I'll do that for very long, but if like, I don't, I don't, really want to, yeah, I don't think I'll do it for very long, but it feels like an important reintegration piece as I am making my way along and for myself, my own learning. And yeah, it feels kind of weird to talk about stuff that you don't have totally figured out as you're realizing it. But I also think it's so important because, you know, when we look at people, they do, they, you know, have a big decision and they just announce it. And you're like, at least for me, when I watch people's life or people that I really respect. It's like watching the changing process, watching the building process is, has always been helpful to be like, oh, they don't, they're just figuring it out too. <laughs> like I can do this. It's just one step at a time, like one breadcrumb at a time. And, uh, yeah, I just, so I share, it feels vulnerable because I'm like, well, what if I change my mind? Or I said I was going to do this thing, but I think it's so important to just, I don't know be okay with not knowing and to normalize that, you know, doesn't mean you don't have goals or aspirations or following through on stuff, but yeah.
0: Angel, the funny part is you actually say this every time we record these conversations. <laughs> well, that I
1: don't know what I'm doing. Yeah.
0: Every yeah. single time you're like, you know, it feels a little funny. Like, you know, was talking about all this when I don't have it figured out. It's like, no, that's what we do. That's like, that's <laughs> yeah. what we do on these. So I know. Um, all right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Well, to be continued. And, um, We'll definitely stay tuned. And mostly, I just hope you find a place to live and put your stuff where you can put your pants. You'll know exactly where the <laughs> pants are because that's, that's, that's just exhausting. And, yeah, the um, no
1: pants dance gets old after a minute.
0: <laughs> let's do what we do now, which is kind of touch on an open mic piece that was published since we last talked. So this is our blister open mic series, man. I continue to just still be really proud of this series and to all of our contributors who have contributed to the series and we've got some great stuff coming down the pike. A piece that I wanted to discuss a bit was by Mary McIntyre and the title of it is How to Have X Without X. So before we dive in here, can you tell us a little bit about Mary or how you got to know Mary?
1: Yeah. Uh, Mary is amazing. She's just such a gem of a human. Um, I So we're the same age. We both grew up in Salt Lake. We both skied. Um, but I didn't really get to know her until... During COVID, um, we were both on the Black Diamond team, and they started doing some, you know, the classic like weekly or bi-weekly Zoom meetings. And she had the idea to put together this uh, like zine called Diamonds in the Rough. And so we started like as a team. She was like, "Everyone's so creative! Like, I want to see what you're making during COVID." And she did this really cool project um, and got all these creations into this zine and then sold them um, for uh, all donations. Um, and yeah, so sh- she's awesome. I started talking with her after, and sh- but she's our paths were a little bit different because she was more in the like ski touring, ski mountaineering world, <clears throat> and but just so special. And so I've gotten to be friends with her, um, yeah, since COVID.
0: So her piece, the opening line, a question I've been asking myself for the past several years in various formulations is, how can I have X without X? And what Mary goes on to describe in this piece is just talking about having to step back a bit from skiing, maybe sounds familiar, not for the same reasons as you, Angel, but because of some physical issues that she is dealing with.
1: Yeah, um, some serious autoimmune diseases. So taking away a lot of her like basic activity function.
0: Yeah. And so that's what she dives into. And one of the things that I... One of the things... Not the only thing. One of the things I really appreciate about this piece is that I think there is just some really practical elements that um, for anybody struggling with a loss, with having to redefine um, a relationship to a sport or an activity, etc.
1: A way of life. A yeah. way of
0: life. Thank you. Mary provides some incredibly helpful steps to try to make that happen. But I'm not sure that those practical steps are what we want to talk about sort of first and foremost. That's why people should go read the piece, right? But maybe talk a bit about some of the elements of her piece that kind of stood out to you.
1: Mm -hmm. I think what she does a really amazing job of in this piece is it's like, We do these sports or these activities, um, for reasons that maybe go deeper than we really sit with. Like, why are these things so important to us? How do they serve us? Like, what do they mean to us? And, um, she just does a really great job of kind of in this piece breaking down, like, wow, this is, this is why I ski. This is what skiing does for me. And so when I can't ski, how do I get there without it? But, um, she uh, she also talks about um, sort of when we lose a way of life or something that we love, that is, you know, like skiing. It, it, I want to read this, um, this line. She was like, and because I, I think we can all relate to um, feeling, like knowing that we're really privileged to be able to live the lives that we live. And so, we don't feel like you know, it's okay to talk about when it's taken away from us. Like, you know, we feel like we're making a big deal out of it. And I just love the way she puts this. Although my life was shaped around the sport, I also felt a little ridiculous telling people how sad I was that I couldn't ski. It's just skiing after all, just a recreational activity that I loved. My country isn't being bombed. I'm not terminally ill. I'm not paralyzed. My loved ones are safe. I have a home enough and I have a home and enough food to eat, but this loss of skiing felt like a hole had been blown open in the center of my being. Who was I without all the things I did? There was definitely pain, but there was also suffering. She kind of goes on to say how her partner was skiing during the best winter ever, and she couldn't help but be bitter. And she goes, how do we cope with the loss of a way of living, of a way of being in relation with our bodies, with the world? with the loss of bodily function at a young age. When we lose our agency, how do we continue to show up in the world with open hearts rather than shutting down in resentment and anger? Why is this tearing my heart into? It's just such a poetic way that she kind of breaks these things apart, these like themes that we all relate to. And yeah, that was one of my favorite little moments.
0: This way of being in the world this way of experiencing the world, doing things in our bodies. I mean, those are all clear elements of what trail running, mountain biking, skiing, snowboarding, these things do that for us. Whether we are as cognizant as Mary is of that, right, able to articulate it as well as Mary did, those are just kind of facts Then there are also the elements uh, that we have touched on before is that they do tend to, these activities often do tend to shape our friend groups. So now we start quickly moving in. And this is like the kind of, we're putting this in like the obvious bucket, you know, like who we're hanging out with on a day in and day out basis. These activities tend to influence deeply those elements and who we're spending time with. And then I think to me, I always just come back to kind of some of the most fundamental notions of self identity. Like mm-hmm. who am I in the world
1: mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. some
0: of us? These activities really start to define who we are. And so there's that element too. And so I do think because we've had a number of open mic pieces actually, where um, it has been talking about the loss of an activity, the in, whether it's because of injury, um, you know, or a physical condition, and there's always that. Oh, but I feel guilty because it is a privilege to be able to do these things, and it's like, okay, that's true, but with that acknowledgement, we can also acknowledge these really fundamental, elemental. Things that come with like being a person, literal like personhood. And so, yeah, I think Mary does a really nice job of that. And I think we all we all need to keep that in mind the next time we have an injury or a situation changes and we can't do that thing and we're feeling pretty guilty about-
1: Our pain around it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, totally. I just, yeah, I love- There's been so many great open mics that the the last thing I want to say on her piece or maybe not last, but the next thing was, um, you know, she goes through basically two exercises that she's been going through with her therapist of, you know, how do I have X like the things I get from skiing without X skiing like and parceling that apart And then also the other game is, but really, like I want to ski, but really, what is it that I want? And so you say the next thing you go, but really, it's, it's just really cool. And she, um, I think this one line in here that I think we all can relate to is when she went down the, you know, but really, what do I want from it? Um, she has this line, uh, These two games showed me why losing skiing has felt like such a severe blow. I was embarrassed for having such strong feelings about skiing. It felt childish. But for me, the activity was a straight drop into my deepest why. A shortcut to feeling connected, to feeling like the truest version of me, to belonging. It was like a game of chutes and ladders. Drop Mary on top of a mountain with skis and with the help of gravity and a little time, I was brought directly to my center, to the innermost part of me. It was just yes, golf clubs. So, so yeah. Anyways,
0: Mary, so thank good. you for sharing, and um, we'll include a link in the show notes of this episode. People, people need to read this. Do yourselves a favor and be reading all of these pieces. And again, I, um, it's amazing to me because Angel, as you know, the, the we don't assign topics like we so people just keep coming and turning things in that are surprising and great and rich and i'm i'm very grateful for this so um yeah on that note i think you've got one coming up
1: i know i better submit it to you soon
0: angel angel i don't know if it's always this way but i i think
1: <laughs> you can it might say always it's always this way. <laughs> no
0: but you the part i wasn't going to talk about when they come in i was going to talk about <laughs> that you have been sort of working on like three different things yeah and yeah. you and then you kind yeah. of one of those three starts to emerge as being like the piece for for now i guess it's an interesting mm-hmm. style mm
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that I don't know how other people do it. Yeah, I just like, well, I like start to write. Yeah, writing is so interesting, huh? It's like, you always think it's going to be easier than it is. And sometimes it is. But yeah, it's like I go to write these things. And for me, you know, it's just such a fun way to express thoughts that I'm having ways that I'm digesting sort of what I'm seeing in my own experience in life. And so there's usually multiple themes going on. And so I'll start to write and it'll be start being about something, but then it's like kind of going into the woods and it feels like that's not the truest thing. And then I'll start writing and it kind of leads to another topic. I'm like, well, that's its own topic. So I'll start kind of writing about that. And usually there's around three of them that I'm kind of, I'll have like six word documents open with like three main themes. And they sort of like congeal and I drag and drop and um and then with the pressure of the deadline one of them is like gets birth through the birth canal last minute for Jonathan to be like come on about a little bit earlier in the day
0: I mean yes but no um well we look forward to the we look forward to the next one and uh man you certainly are like living your life in a way that you know, you you are giving yourself a lot of uh grist for upcoming open mic pieces, you know. It's never yeah. like, well, oh, I didn't really yep. do anything this last month. So um, <laughs> glad, great, nope. grateful. Keep that up, keep up the chaos, Angel.
1: Cool. Whoa whoa, structure is on the horizon now.
0: <laughs> All right, let's get to some of the questions that uh folks submitted for this for this uh round of Deep Dives with Angel. I want to go back actually to sailing. And I actually love one specific word in particular in this question, but it's kind of an interesting question. Copy Simon asks, does the slowness of getting everywhere by yacht? I'm not sure you were on a yacht, but I like the idea that you've just been tooling around on a yacht. Um, Does the slowness of getting (laughs) everywhere by yacht ever frustrate you?
1: Hmm. No. Um, well, I mean, I shouldn't say that when you're, when you're, you know, our last Atlantic crossing took 21 days and definitely if there's light wind towards the end of being on a cramped boat with, you know, four other people and like severe kind of swell coming at not the best angle and you're just all covered in bruises from kind of getting knocked around down below, then you're like, okay, cool. I'm ready to be there. You know, it it would take like a Five-hour flight is, you know, twenty-one days. Um, but I actually really like the the slow part. Has been probably the most medicinal part for me. Some people are like, oh, it would drive me crazy, but it's really meditative when you're out there and you're just looking at the blue, and you know, you encounter your restlessness, and then, but if you kind of sink deeper. It's so good for the psyche, I think, also to disconnect. And yeah, sometimes you're like, man, I just want to get to this next island. It's going to take us 10 hours, but it's not that far. But like that's part of the game. And I just I like that part.
0: Got it. This might be my favorite question in the history of questions. <laughs> Hanlin asks, if you could have any sauce shoot out of your fingertips, <laughs> what would it be? <laughs> Oh gosh! Unbelievable question.
1: That's yeah. That's Hannah. Len, what's up, Hannah? Um, I think that it would probably either be like a chipotle aioli, or could I pick pesto? Does is that work? Pesto is a that a sauce? sauce?
0: I mean, there's I don't pesto know. sauce. I mean, so I right. guess. What is it technically? I mean, the- yeah, I mean. Yeah, How liquidy I, does that I mean, it's your be? fingertips. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to hurt if it's, if it's, if it's the thicker. <laughs> How thick are the nozzles? <laughs> yeah. So you,
1: I would, okay. I'll probably go with either like a chipotle aioli or like a, yeah, a pesto if that's on the option list.
0: Okay, I think I think they are.
1: Well, just because I'd want ta- I want access to pesto on everything. It's the best ever, so that's what I think of. But if it were to be like, I want to hit an unsuspecting passerby in the face <laughs> you? as they're going yeah. by, <laughs> something thinner like chipotle aioli that also would go good on your food would be a good. Like, yeah, I double guess win.
0: the question is: Are you looking at this more as a weapon or more as like instant right. condiment access?
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, that is, is the, the question, question, right? Um, Chipotle would do both, but if I had to go for the
0: food option, pesto would be the one. You're putting pesto on a lot of stuff.
1: Well, I love it. I just, I got really into it. Well, it was funny she asked this because, you know, I wrote that open mic on cooking. I've traveled so much in my life. It's been hard for me to get into cooking. And one of the hacks that I got into on the boat was making, I got really into sauces because I could buy all the fresh herbs or stuff before and then keep them. And then whether it's like, a mango salsa or whatever You can just spice up Rice fish and beans With like a variety Of different sauces And it's the bomb.com It's like the best Variety adder You know Where you're still feeling Like you're eating classy So I got really into sauces I got really into making This homemade pesto Where you don't even need Basil And it's super easy And it goes on Lots of things And it's the best
0: Okay I'm just a massive fan Of Cholula
1: Oh See I'm not a hot sauce gal Don't tell anyone
0: wait can you like not handle spice or you just don't
1: no i can handle spice i just don't love the (sighs) flavor of hot sauces
0: well there's not just one
1: i know i've tried lots of them but you want chipotle aioli it's got a little spice but it's not a hot sauce wow you know
0: all right well it's more hot sauce in the world for me so i'm not gonna be (laughs) mad about this okay doesn't like hot sauce might be the worst thing about you I've ever heard. (laughs) You're
1: not the first person to tell me that.
0: We've sort of talked about this in previous conversations, but maybe not quite this specifically. So this question, what are the best practices or methods you've found for healthy social media use? Mm.
1: Yeah, that's such a good one. Who asked that one?
0: That was Frozen Chikabra. <laughs>
1: yes. I think that's our friend Ryan McDermott, who has McDermott Shapes and made surfboards for me and Pete. And he came and not only handed off the surfboard straight onto Seabear before we left for the Atlantic Crossing, but then came to visit us and surfed with us on our maiden voyage. I think that's his handle. Anyways, um good social media use. Man, I just, there's so much to say about this because um, it's so addictive and it's so designed to be addictive. And all that I really know for sure is the less time I spend on it, the happier I am. That's like, I know that for sure. And it like, gets us with the algorithms and marketing and feeling like we have to always be producing content and like And then also, you know, the comparison that always happens and you're like, wow, everybody is doing everything and I'm sucking. And uh, I just, I think regular, like regular, complete sign off, don't engage is like the best thing I've found to sort of decouple, reset the relationship and just be more present in my life. And then it's a slippery slope. Once I come back in, I'll start checking it all the time. My other favorite practice is I just log out of this stuff. And cause what'll happen is I'll just unconsciously open it back up. And I'm like, I don't want to be on here. But 10 minutes later, I've just been doom scrolling. So if I log out, then when I open it up and I have to like log in, it's enough of a check to be like, actually, I don't want to be on here. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Those are my two hacks. I'm curious if you have anything to add.
0: Well, part of the reason I wanted to ask a question is cause I don't I think I have some formula, like rules for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, was interested to hear your own. I mean, I know what I can say is that I very much, you know, for blister, like social media is a tool, right? We get to communicate some cool things we're doing or some new things we're doing. And that's what we use it for. You know, (laughs) I have definitely found myself because I, Feel like I'm talking a lot and I'm, you know, sharing quite a bit multiple times a week on various podcasts and the rest. I feel like that sort of podcasts have become my opportunity to like let the world know what's kind of going on. And so I have, and given all the publishing we do on Blister, it has, I found myself stepping back from sharing even more than kind of with my own personal accounts. Often what I find is like, if I'm posting a picture, posting something on my own social, it's kind of become a bit of a scrapbook for me. And and like, I might want to remember, it's a quick way to remember a moment, a trip or something that happened two years ago. But even on that, I don't, I'm not like, adamantly documenting everything, you know? Um, so I don't know. I think, I think we're all need to be sorting our relationships out with this stuff. Um, and that's as specific or unspecific as I've kind of gotten in terms of setting up best practices or rules.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah. Defining like why, what it is that we get from it, why do we use yes. it? How can we use it as a tool and not yep. be used by it? And, you know, if you haven't seen the movie The yeah. Social Dilemma, yeah, yeah. have you seen it's that? It's amazing. Yeah. It's, anyone listening, it's really, really good and super uh, – it sheds a lot of light on what's going on with social media and why living our life off of it is <laughs> helpful. Um but yeah, like figuring out how to set parameters, sometimes I'll just set a timer. I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to be on Instagram. I'll just set the quick timer on my phone." But we all have our own hacks, you know. There's apps that limit your usage, all the stuff, but I think figuring out how do you for me, how do I use it? How do I want to use it? How do I limit the ways in which it doesn't make me feel good is just an ongoing dance and so far logging off or just taking weeks away from it is like the best ever.
0: Well, yeah, as always, being intentional about all of this technology and basically trying to be intentional about every aspect of our lives turns out still good practice, highly recommended by 10 out of 10 philosophers. <laughs> so here's to us thinking well and, um, and being intentional for our use on all this stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. I will say I want to add one more thing to this uh, that has been so crucial for me is I noticed the quality of my attention throughout the day is made much worse if I check Instagram first thing. So so I don't wake up uh, and check my phone, um, which has been such a game changer. I got sometimes I'll have an old school alarm clock um, or in order to get out of the habit. But like I have my morning routine. It's not that long, but if I do like drink my water, do my stretches, you know, do a little bit of meditation, breath work, whatever it is that you do for you, like if I do all of that and get centered in how I want to have my, you know, mind be for the day, uh, I have so my attention is so much better and my focus is so much better. And if I check my phone, especially Instagram, first thing in the morning, I find my mental quality is so much more scattered. So I just want to add that that's another thing I don't check Instagram before I do other stuff in the morning or I try my best not to.
0: Are you an alarm person? Like, do you wake up with an alarm or do you sort of try to do the natural, like you let yourself sleep and you wake up when your body is ready to wake up?
1: Um, it depends. Yeah, I do both, but Generally, I'm a very early to bed person, like if I could get nine to ten hours, that is my sweet spot, and I find I get all of my most rejuvenative deep sleep, like you know monitored through the whoop or or a ring that all happens before eleven p m for me so if I go to they say hours before midnight are worth double um yeah, as far as the quality and how much actual deep sleep you're getting, and maybe I'm m- messing up this. I know I've heard that, but if there's any sleep scientists out there, I'm sorry if I'm butchering this, but I know for me, for sure, all of my deep sleep happens before midnight, especially before 11. So if I go to bed at eight, my quality of sleep is so much better. If I, and I wake up at five than if I go to bed at even 10 and, you know, wake up at seven. So yeah, I just, if I have to get good sleep, I go, try and go to bed early and then usually I don't need an alarm. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. You go to bed at eight sometimes. I haven't done yeah. that since I was like five.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm a grandma in training. <laughs>
0: yep. Hot mess. Even though I'm not sure about hot kids. Hot mess grandma yeah. edition. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, all right. We're, we're going back into the deep end of the pool right now. Row, row. Best practices for forgiveness. Dash. Taming the anger dragons,
1: okay. Oh, yeah, that one was from uh, May Gone June. Sorry if I'm messing that up, but um, that's a great question, such a good question. And I think, uh, I, you know, something that I've really had to grapple with is for a long time, I was like, I'm not an angry person, and I know so many people that say, I'm not an angry person, and like, I'm not, but that doesn't mean I ha- don't experience anger. And I think in our culture, uh, we tend to like suppress it, whether you've kind of been wronged by somebody or you're in a bad situation and you need to get out of it. Like, um, for me, like, I'm not sure if it's so much for forgiveness or anger or both, but like if I've been in some breakups or in a situation with where I'm, somebody's not treating me the way in which I know I, I need to be treated, Um, I get really angry. And I think in our culture, we just kind of stuff it away. We do our mindfulness practices and you're like, well, I'm not that angry. Um, But what I realized is like, there was definitely some anger down in there. And I think just appreciating anger as a super, super awesome tool for letting us know when something needs to change. Like anger for me has been my greatest catalyst for action, right? Like I'm getting angry. That's a sign something needs to change. Something's not okay. And something needs to change. And it gives us this fire energy, right? be like, all right, freaking F that. Like I'm going to go out and change this thing. So it's such a good catalyst. I've heard a quote. I, I think it's a Brene Brown quote. Um, anger is, uh, Like it's a great, something like a a very great ally, but a crippling companion. Like if it's always by your side, it starts to eat away at you. Um, So for forgiveness, there's actually, so I'm really hard on myself. And a lot of people that I know are also really hard on themselves. And um, the forgiveness piece is, I think we all have things in our life, whether it's other people or ourselves, where it's hard to forgive or get over or like maybe you did something that was really embarrassing and you had to forgive yourself for it. Or maybe somebody did something that was not okay. And you know, you're trying to forgive them for it. And for me, it always starts with like myself and validating my own experience of why I'm angry or like why this is hard and like letting that be okay first. And once I'm finally like, okay, it's hard. It's okay that I was really struggling with this scenario or whatever. Um, in order to move out, let forgiveness move outwards, or deeper in towards myself, if I feel like I did something embarrassing, and like, that I need to just forgive myself for some way that I was being or something that I did. Um, there's this, it sounds really cheesy, okay, I'm just gonna say straight up, it sounds super cheesy, but it's been so uh effective once you get over the initial cheese factor. And it's, this Hawaiian saying, the ho'oponopono, and it's this four lines, which is, and you say it to yourself. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. The first time my teacher told me that, I was like, I'm not going to be saying that. But um, she was like, just try it next time you're in a really crunchy moment with yourself or with someone else, you say it to yourself because healing always starts with you. So I was in this really tough moment and I was like, whatever, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to give it a shot. And it was amazing the way that it changed, softened, catalyzed my own inner dialogue. It's like you say it a couple of times and almost every client that I've ever worked with, when I give this tool to them, once they try it, they're like, I just broke out in tears. (laughs) Like there's, something about it. So, um, it's also just a helpful mantra of like coming back into better relationship with yourself. So even though it sounds cheesy, I really believe in reaffirming the relationship that we want to have with ourself, the relationship that we can have with ourself by using, I'm, I've always been so big at like sayings or mantras, like I got this or it's going to be okay or whatever. And so this is just one that has helped me the most for my own Critic and my own anger. Um, so, yeah, that was a long winded answer, but did that make sense?
0: Yeah, it did. I keep looking at the specific question, and you took it in the direction of sort of self forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I am also just thinking through, I mean, this is, again, I said we're sort of diving into the deep end of the pool here, but. If we're in a situation where we need to forgive someone else, mm-hmm. and the whole I think I I need to get clear on this, but there's the concept of forgiveness, which sounds amazing, but there's the concept of sort of justice. Mm-hmm. And I might just be fuzzy on these things, but the two seem not to go together perfectly right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it's one thing we've all wronged other people we've Mm -hmm, all done mm -hmm. dumb stuff you know um unkind stuff and we are then in the position of needing to go ask for forgiveness Mm -hmm. but in the event where say you have been wronged Mm -hmm. it's i actually think it's Maybe kind of straightforward if that person is then comes to you and is like, I'm really sorry I did this. Things will be different. I acknowledge what I've done. That feels like maybe the easier form of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about forgiveness when there hasn't really been that Mm acknowledgement?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, and she referenced here that taming the anger dragons, and I think uh, what's so important initially is to let the anger be okay. Like, I think we make anger wrong a lot, and then we stuff it away, and then that makes moving through the whole process hard, because the anger is trying to tell us something. And so, for me, it's like, you know, I'm thinking of a particular breakup where I was so mad about how everything went down, and... I really had to move through a lot of this, a lot of anger in order to get to forgiveness. And it was like, there was a lot of anger that I didn't, I wasn't letting happen. And as soon as I was just like, I'm freaking mad about this. I'm super mad about this. That's so not okay. And just like existing in that state for a while, it's really uncomfortable. But then when I was like, all right, well, you know, what's this anger trying to teach me? I learned so much about how I was, what I wasn't going to allow in the future, like how I was going to what I wasn't going to tolerate being treated or, you know, for myself in the future. And there was so much information there. And once I like let it be okay, you know, there's all these different ways that people talk about expressing it like through sound or movement, you know, like kind of somatic release. Um, But for me, like just letting it be there, maybe talking it out with people or whatever was, was key because yeah, I don't think we always get, the apology or the closure and that's when it's tough when you're like hoping that the ends can be tied up or that someone might take responsibility and then they don't and ultimately like it's not up to them to uh, like you don't need someone else in order to reach closure by yourself and it can be a really long time and it may be a situation where you're so wrong that you can never forgive the other person and I think it's okay for that to be okay. Um, I have heard this saying, it's something like uh, resentment is like taking on someone else's poison and swallowing it for them or something like, and you're taking someone else's load and internalizing the poison and like what forgiveness offers is a way to let go of whatever resentment or bitterness or poison that we're carrying and be like, this is not mine to carry anymore. So I think forgiveness can look a lot of different ways and it doesn't always have to happen. That's okay too. I think this is on my own personal perspective, obviously, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough to not get closure when from someone else, if they're yeah, on the forgiveness front, if that's what's happening.
0: But that's a pretty important note you make about maybe there is a situation where sort of forgiveness isn't warranted because there hasn't been an acknowledgement. There hasn't been an acknowledgement of what was done or an acknowledgement that like, that was bad. I'm going to do better going forward. But to then still find a way to get over that anger, because if you don't do that, then in a way it's like that person or situation is sort of winning and dominating yeah. in ways that just simply will not cannot be helpful or healthy.
1: Yeah. And I I do think I do think you can reach closure without the other person, you know, cu- without needing anything from the other person cuz reaching closure as much as we don't necessarily talk about it in this way. It's a very personal process. It's really up to us to find the closure and it's not always dished out on the platter that we want it from, but we can always get there because we're independent, sovereign beings that, you know, can, can find ways to reach these places on our own. I, I strongly feel that way anyways. Um, but it's a lot tougher when we don't get it on the, you know, in the form that we want. But I think reaching closure and finding forgiveness also aren't necessarily the same thing. Um, Maybe they can be. It depends on, I think, the situation and and the each person or whatever. But yeah,
0: yeah. By the way, let's stay on that for just a second because I have ended up in conversations with a number of friends, and this is specifically in talking about relationships or mm-hmm. when relationships have ended. And there's a lot of hurt or a lot of anger or both. And I've had multiple times someone will say to me, I just need him or I just need her to acknowledge X. And then then I'm good. And I have had to say many times, like they're never going to say that. That's not happening. Like that's not happening. So if you're... If you're like on this um, trajectory of I just need this one thing to have to be said to me or to be acknowledged and then I'm good. Well, and if it's like yeah, but that's actually literally never happening. So then you're just going to go through the rest of your life in with this anger or with this hurt with no closure. And I think that's a maybe good example of a time when like we need to have a different route Yeah, out of that.
1: Yeah, I mean this, I learned a really cool tool from my mentor, um, Kim Dawson, who I've talked about before on this podcast. Um, she has this really great tool because basically when we need something from somebody else, almost always there's something that, we are not allowing ourselves or we're not allowing ourselves to be a certain way, like pretty much always. Because when you need something from a, another person, especially when you know they're not going to be able to give it to you, that's actually a codependent dynamic. And, you know, the goal is to relate from a sovereign, empowered place, You know, as two individuals coming together, not to be reliant, especially if it's in an unhealthy way. And we all get there, you know, like, I just need this person to do this. It's so common. So my teacher um, mentor came up with this really, really dope tool. It's going to be kind of hard to describe. It's easier if you write it out. But if you're, I'll I'll walk whoever's listening through this exercise um, because it's really brilliant. So so first you write down, I need you to blank or you can't, or you aren't blank. I need you to blank. Uh, so write that, whatever that is down. And then the next last part is so that I can blank. Right. And, um, then the next part of the exercise is you cross out, you aren't, and you just write, you replace it with I can. So it might be like, you aren't apologizing to me or something. I need you to meet me in the middle so that, you know, I need you to meet me in the middle somewhere so that I can move on from the relationship or, you know, find forgiveness or let this go. And so it's a little bit tricky if I, if I'm not working with somebody to do it, but you go, you cross out, I can't, or you're not, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting lost in the weeds here because I, I would actually need to write it out. But it's basically like this exercise, you, you cross out, you aren't, and you write, I can. You cross out, I need you to, and you write, I can, <laughs> and you write, like, so you cross out so that I can, and you, c- you write in, um, I can just blank. And it's really simple. But basically, the tenant is A lot of times we think we need the other person to do something for us, but a lot of times, like, we can find us a way to do that for ourselves, uh, in a very basic way. Like, I can just be more there for myself or I can, I can meet myself in the middle or like, I don't know it's sorry for the lack of great example. It's much easier to do it in person and to find what it is that you need and what it is that you're allowing. But basically we can almost always like validate our own experience or let ourself do the thing or just so that I can walk away. It's like, I can just walk away or whatever. Um, so yeah, I apologize for the not so clear, but that's the basic idea. And it's a really powerful little prompt of like, what do I actually need from this person? And what if I actually just did that for myself?
0: Totally. And I mean, absolutely crucial that we understand the power that we each have internally to affect our mood, our emotions, our ability to move forward. And we better be real careful if we give that power to someone else, because then they are almost lording that over us. Mm -hmm. And again, many, many (laughs) of the longest standing philosophical traditions are adamant on this point that our own happiness, uh, our own ability to be angry or not be angry, that, we, that power resides in us. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I do think there probably is a lot of unhappiness in the world that is due to giving that power to someone else, another entity, another person, etc. And that if ultimately we're around trying to maximize joy, um, you know, have a fulfilling existence, uh, then we better be real careful or, and not make category mistakes about, well, I would be happy. I would be content. I would be fulfilled if only this person would do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge stuff to get clear on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it always starts with like, okay, what do I need? separate from this person. Like this person is not a part of the picture. What do I need in this moment? What do I need for myself? What do I need for my life? If I decouple like, you know, these strings and starting there is like always a place finding your way back into sovereignty, back into independence, back into power. Um, yeah. Yeah very important stuff the thing the two like a lot of times it's like I need you know I need you to take responsibility for your part in the relationship and it's like when you write in I can take responsibility for my part in the relationship or I can own my part it's like that's all you can do you can do that and then you can just move on you know it's um Anyways, I'm rambling now, so we can we, we can keep <laughs> right. going. Sorry,
0: we're moving out of the very deep end of the pool to the slightly shallower end of the pool. The kiddie but this pool. This is a good. This is, this is we're not we're not quite kiddie pool. We, we might end up in the kiddie pool because I we still have a couple questions coming here. But this is actually an interesting one. I don't think we've talked much about this. Please share your exercise routine. Hmm.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let me clarify, we are not talking to my brother. My exercise routine <laughs> includes lifting donuts to my mouth. And <laughs> no, you um, know, in, in reality, I don't have one. Um, I also didn't have a regular one when I was skiing. Um, it's I, I think, you know, I grew up racing, and I raced really competitively until I was 19. And it was like, you know, four days a week, lifting weights, you know, six to seven days a week working out. And I got so burnt out that I was like, no, thank you. I'm not touching a weight for a really long time. And now and so I found fitness through fun activities like biking or climbing. I really love the way yoga makes me feel, but I have to go to a class. I also like Pilates, but I have to like, I love group activities. But for me currently, um, it's been like, whether it's diving or kind of, you know, free diving or surfing, it's been through these activities that I get my exercise. And, but I also can tell, it sounds funny because I'm not old, but as I'm getting older, my base level of fitness is going down. I'm like, crap, it's actually happening to happening to me now too. And it's it's tough on the boat to like, work out your legs and it's not always easy to go to shore and run. So basically it's part and parcel, but my most favorite, favorite way to exercise is dancing and twerking. Those are like, if I'm by myself, I can put my headphones on and like get a pretty good cardio, like get my legs, get my booty. And, um, yeah, I took twerk classes for a long time and that was actually how I rehabbed my knee. I go, I went in, I did, I did all of the. I did all of the like stuff by the book for my first surgery and just struggled uh, with the rehab. It was an uphill battle. It was really hard to get my quad back. And the second time, I was like, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to keep it fun. And I like... <laughs> was I telling you this before I went into my no, I went to my physical therapist and she's like, "Wow, you're doing like you are. This is just so different. What have you been doing?" I'm like, "I've been dancing," and she was like, "Like just dancing." I'm like, "Yeah, it's just that's what's felt the best actually. Like I'm building strength, but it's also flexibility." I was like, "But sometimes I I just wonder what I'm twerk like I've been kind of twerking, and I think it's okay on my knee." And she's like. Well, can you can you show me like so I can see the movement pattern? So I had to like just do like twerk demonstration of like how I twerk. so she could look like, at my. I... But I went to the Red Bull gym later that you know a month later or something, and they were like, "Oh my god, you're like just way surpassing where you sh- like. What have you been doing different this time?" And I was like, "Literally just been twerking," and they made so much fun of me, but it was great. So I think for me it's finding exercise that i want to do that is fun and that's how i also did it in my career and there's no um there's no replacement i think for weightlifting as far as strength building especially for women in skiing like that's definitely when i ski the best as if i am in the gym sometimes um so and i really am a big proponent of being really strong coming into the season however it is because you can just ski so much better uh and it's more fun for me so i like it's yeah always a little bit random um but (laughs) there you go that's my that's my
0: answer wow
1: yeah wow yeah
0: did not see that coming yeah also that felt like a complete like lie that felt like a disclaimer you had to sort of say when you're like look no I I definitely think you need to get into the weight room for ski season When what you really want to say is you just need to take take a bunch of yeah twerk class and just twerk, twerk your brains out and <laughs> you're probably going to ski ski great. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You took twerk classes.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's
0: you didn't best. just like watch a video or two. You like, no. you're like, I'm going to learn the fine art. Yeah. Yeah. These were like in-person classes, online classes?
1: Uh, some of them are in person, but some of them were over like Zoom. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it was like group. Yeah. It was, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But group. Online group twerking classes. Okay. yeah. I never know. I never know where this is going. Well, look, you know, you knew this was coming, but you also did bring up your brother. Yeah. Actually, so this question came in. Did you sell your home that you and John had at the mouth of Little Cottonwood?
1: Mm. Um, no, we did not. My, my parents moved into there because so my parents were living yeah up the canyon, not, not because they're rich and they have a home, but they were living in a caretaker's apartment. And that was part of their job was renting and managing one of the chalets up there for the past like 10 years. And now they've moved into where John, the house that we built at the mouth of the canyon.
0: Okay. Now we are giving your brother the last, the last word, <laughs> uh, the final question. This is from John. First time he's written in, I, I think, for us. And this is what he came with. He's probably going to be
1: embarrassed that we're actually choosing this one. Well, you know, John. <laughs> Thanks for chiming in.
0: We, you know, we had him at a blister summit and he said all kinds of smart things. And then he, then he did this. Um, so, I, I blame him. Did you make any poopies <laughs> over the side of Seabear? Turds for the tunas, dookies for the dolph. <laughs> thanks, John. Thanks for that hard hitting. Thanks for that hard hitting <laughs> <that> question. <laughs> what a
1: classic little bro coming in there? Yeah. 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 Well, poop talk never gets old between siblings, apparently. Um. No, not over the side. Although <laughs> not over the side, although. There's the famed aqua dump. Apparently, if you, like, dive beneath the surface and you're swimming, it's like there's a nice sort of exit (laughs) effect, which Pete is always trying to get me to do. I'm like, I'm all right. I don't need to. You're good. Yeah, I'm good. So the answer, John, is unfortunately no. Although some people do mount toilet seats on the bow sprit and just take their morning dump with a coffee up on the bow. It's like,
0: yeah. Wow. You the just most see these grand. people like
1: butt ass naked on the front of the boat, <laughs> taking a dump and you're like, cool, hats off to you, sir.
0: Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> As I said, I think we're going to, I think we're going to end with that. So we've, we've, man, we literally managed to talk about forgiveness and twerking and and then, and Awkward then your dumps. brother brought us home. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I think our work here is done. Tour de Force, what a journey, as always. <laughs> Thanks, Angel. And let's see. This will go up Monday. We're recording this on Saturday morning. This will go up Monday and then allegedly we'll be publishing your <laughs> next open mic piece on Tuesday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, we will. No Indeed. Pressure. Indeed, we will.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, that sounds like a good plan. Listen, I know you have a lot going on, so I really appreciate you know you taking the time and for us to do our thing. And but I hope it was a nice little break from some of the less fun things you've been dealing with lately.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is a great lighthearted, for the most part, lighthearted convo. I always love chatting with you.
0: Mm, deep and or lighthearted. So we, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you, Angel. Yeah. So this goes Monday, open mic Tuesday, maybe, maybe Wednesday. We'll see. You got a lot going on. We're, we we will all exercise forgiveness, a lot of forgiveness this week for you. Yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in and, uh, Angel will, we'll do it again soon.
1: Thanks. Bye.
0: Well, that's it for this edition of deep dives with Angel as always. Thanks Angel for the great conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode, and thanks to all of you for listening and for all of your great questions. All right, everybody, take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we will talk to you again real soon.